We will be preaching from Jeremiah and Genesis. Amen. Jeremiah 51 verses 20 and 21 and Genesis 37 5. Um, God switched it up on us this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yep, yep, yep. It's yeah, oh, they can see. Hallelujah. Je Jeremiah 51, 20 through 21, and Genesis 37, 5. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. With you, I shatter nations. With you, I destroy kingdoms. With you, I shatter horse and rider. With you, I shatter chariot and driver. Genesis 37, 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Lord, bring a word like only you can. We ask for you to convict us, but not condemn us. We ask for you to stretch us to a new level of you, a new level of operation, a new level of gifts. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Amen. As you take your seat, I want to speak to you from the subject, you are... God's gifted weapon. You are God's gifted weapon. Well, it's like some room on the front. I guess nobody want to go to the front of the room. I mean, guess they're going to put them over there in the little glass. I don't know, but there's some, some seats in the front if you want to be in the front of the class. Hallelujah. You are God's gifted weapon. Joseph, one of the heroes of the patriarchal narratives in the book of Genesis, was Jacob's 11th son. He was sold into slavery as a young boy by his brothers who were jealous of his dreams and envious of the favor their father showed him. Favor made evident by the coat of many colors Jacob had given him, a coat they saw every day. Like Daniel, Joseph had a gift that took him to the heights of power. And like Daniel, that gift was the ability to interpret dreams. It took Joseph a while to understand it, though. At first, he thought receiving dreams was the extent of the gift. But the full manifestation included the ability to interpret the dreams for others. Having the dreams with meaning for his own life benefited, uh, for having dreams with meaning for his own life benefited him. Being able to interpret the dreams of others benefited someone else. Your gift, that special ability and calling you received from God, was given to you for the purpose of blessing the people around you. It's a kingdom gift. It, it was given to you through you for the benefit of the kingdom of God. The anointing is not for you. The anointing is to break burdens and yokes in other people's lives. Yes, if someone comes at you, they will catch the backside of the anointing. But Jesus on the cross said he could have called 12 legions of angels to come get him. One legion for him and 11 legions from the 11 disciples that were still living because we know Judas had killed himself. But at the end of the day, he said, I stayed on the cross for you. Your gifts that God has given you, your gift to sing, although you may not be singing in the church, you should be singing wholesome music because God is using you to bring people to the kingdom because your giftedness draws people. See, some of you all think that your gift is just for the church. Your gift is not just for the church. Your gift is for the kingdom of God. It's for the world. God is using you to change the world. God said, don't be 
of the world, but he did say be in the world. Come on, somebody. He said you can be in the world, but not of the world, which means you're supposed to change the flavor of stuff that should be changed because you are salt of the world and God gifted you to bring attention to his kingdom. God gifted you to make money in real estate so people can see how successful you are and come into the kingdom. God gifted you to be a financial advisor so that you can be able to help people make money and bring them into the kingdom. God gifted you to bring up to be a doctor so God so people could see God's healing hand in their life. Wherever God has you, you are gifted for the kingdom. It's not for you. Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams, but he received favor before he received the dreams. He, Joseph's father doted on him more than he did the other sons. The dreams came after he received the coat of many colors. That coat was like a symbol of bestowing of his gift, like Elisha receiving Elijah's mantle as a symbol of the anointing he received at Elijah's death. Joseph didn't realize it, but the very moment he became a powerful tool. He became a weapon in God's hand. When Joseph added obedience to that gift, he became a formidable force. That anointing, that favor he received gave him the potential to achieve great success. It also sent a signal that attracted the enemy. Oh, y'all don't hear me. See, when you really are anointed by God, you're not going to receive just a favor from other people. You're going to receive some haters in your life. Come on, somebody. That's why he said, you shall receive a hundredfold in this lifetime with what? With persecution. Can I ask you a question? Can you stand to be blessed? See, some of us are not blessed because we can't handle the hate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't handle the cubicle hate, baby, you can't handle the front office. Yeah, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, if you can't handle the few people that's hating on you because you're in a cubicle, if somebody hating on you and you're in a cubicle, uh, they life messed up. Not saying yours is, but if, if, if you don't even have an office and you got haters, yeah, y'all don't hear me. God can't give you another level of blessing until you can handle the hate on this level. See, the anointing you receive will grant you favor from God, but it would also draw the attack from the enemy. That's because the anointing makes you a powerful weapon in the kingdom of God. The more you move toward God, the more you attract opposition from Satan. Once you receive favor from God, the enemy redoubles back. See, the enemy can't create anything. He can only kill, steal, and destroy, which means he can't create any more demons, any more fallen angels. So he don't have enough resources to mess with you when you're not doing anything. But the minute God begins to elevate you, come on, somebody, the devil will come out of the woodwork and attack you. Come on, somebody. It's not an accident that you had an accident. It, it, it's not an accident that somebody tried to sabotage you at work. They did it because once the devil uh, begins to see that you're about to go from one level of glory to the next, he sends his minions at you. And Joseph in Genesis 37, 5, it said Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Can I tell you something before I get into the family business? Why are you always telling people what your vision is? Why you need to share with it? Why you got to tell Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter? You don't need to tell everybody your business. Because when you tell them your business, they try to steal your business. They try to talk down to your business. But see, a lot of people that talk down to your business, if they talk you out of it, you're going to see them do your business. Uh-huh. 
Because most people hate on the idea because it wasn't theirs. People don't hate on you unless they really want to be you. Y'all didn't hear that, though. People don't hate on people they don't want to be. People people hate on LeBron James because they want his life. I ain't even a LeBron James fan, but I ain't a hater. People get upset when they see the favor in your life, but you got to stop telling people your dreams in the first trimester. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, women won't tell you they're pregnant sometimes in the first trimester because that's when the time that they're most accessible to have a miscarriage. But don't go ask a woman if she's pregnant because sometimes the stomach may just be big. Shh, be quiet. Don't mess with it. <laughs> but, but they don't want to tell you because they want to make sure that the baby is going to make it. And, and if it can make it past the first trimester, it's more likely to make it through. Come on, somebody. Uh, some women don't even tell you till they get to the point that it's a fetus inside because they, they don't want to tell you in the embryonic stages. And the same way that some women will hide the secret that they're pregnant, you need to hide your spiritual pregnancy. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Because when you start telling people around you about you're pregnant in the spirit, and if you're in that first trimester in the embryonic stage, that's the easiest time for your mission to be aborted. And when people start coming against you, you may mess up your... Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? You got to be like Nehemiah. Nehemiah spied out the land first and he looked around before he brought anybody else in the midst of his vision. Can I tell you something? When we first was going to get the buildings, every time I brought the whole church, because you know how Baptist folk do, you got to bring everybody to the party, talk to everybody, get everybody to vote whether they hate on the church or not, whether they with the vision or not, whether they spiritual or not. You got to bring all the vision to the carnal-minded people. Not saying you carnal-minded, but some of you are. And you got to bring everybody. So every time I brought it to the church, it got shot down. Pew, pew, pew. Every time I had to get a man, pew, pew, pew. It shot down everything. The last time we was going to get a building, God said, shut up. Don't tell nobody. Spot the land yourself. Go get one person. When he got Trusty Shaw, then we brought everybody else on the secret. We got it. Some people didn't make it to the building. They got mad because by the time they found out what we were doing, it was too late. <laughs> you feel me? You can't tell everybody your vision. He told them his dream and they hated him all the more. And what's so funny is this wasn't even strangers, people. This is his own family. There's no greater pain than the pain of being hurt by your own family. A family that can't see your gifts and do not like your dream. They don't realize you are called, anointed, and sanctified, separate and different from everyone else. Even when they do, they don't like it. Let me tell you a secret. Most of the time, they already know you're anointed. Remember when they anointed David? They anointed David in front of his brothers. But they still went on living life like it was all the same. Put him back in the sheep pen. Put him back out there as a shepherd boy. Didn't even acknowledge that he was supposed to be king even though he was anointed by the prophet. They just went on about business. And then when, when David went out there to go fight Goliath, they still didn't respect him until he killed him. How, why are you out here? Even when your family sometimes understands you anointed, they already knew you when you was Clark Kent. 
Yeah. They, they, they knew you already. They, they, they knew who you were before you became superhero. They, they knew you were Bruce Wayne. Yeah. They, 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 they knew who you, who you were. You understand what I'm saying? They already knew your identity, so sometimes it's hard for them to separate you. But his own family went a bit further, hopefully, than your family. They threw him in a pit. And from the pit, Joseph was elevated into slavery. I know it's tough to think that slavery is a step up. But for Joseph, it was a better alternative than death. Sometimes elevation leads you to isolation. Oh, come on, somebody. Sometimes God just has to get you by yourself. You ever read the Bible that said, and, and Jacob was alone. That's when he wrestled with God and, and ended up getting the limp in it. And it said, and Paul was alone. See, every now and then, God has to get you by yourself so he can download some information into you. So, so because sometimes your friends will mess you up and sometimes your haters will mess you up. You know, sometimes can claps are even distractions too because sometimes they clap for you when you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to go ahead. It, it's, he, he was pulled out the pit, and I'm sure when he was pulled out the pit, he thought he was being rescued. I'm sure he thought they're about to send me back home to my daddy, but they took him to a foreign land as a slave. While a slave, Joseph's circumstances took a turn for the worse, and he found himself falsely accused of rape and put in jail. After being in jail a while, Joseph had two cellmates from Pharaoh's court, a baker and a cupbearer. The Bible doesn't tell us what they did wrong to be put in jail. We do not even know their names. But they were identified by their gift, one baker and one cupbearer. See, people will know you by your gift and sometimes don't know your name. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Some of you are worried about people knowing your name. They don't even know my name. Who cares? You at the table. As long as they know your gift, what's that dude again from the food thing that just got $80 million? Guy Ferrari. I don't even know who he was. I just know he got $80 million over three years to eat some chicken. $80 million over three years. I don't even remember his name, Guy Ferrari. I know it now, but his gift is why I know of him. Stop trying to elevate your name. It's your gift that makes room for you. That's why coming up, I already talked with Jonathan. I need to talk to you more about your gifts and hone in on your gifts. And I know when you went to the first, uh, the first time visit, I mean, the, the, the membership classes, I know one of them is your spiritual gifts. But I need to intimately teach you because I got to bring your gifts out because God needs you. He, he needs you. Especially in the midst of this COVID-19, I know we almost over, but he really going to need you because some folk going to go to work and be flipping out because they ain't been around people in a long time and they already crazy. Yeah. Just letting you know. Yeah. Somebody's face start twitching. Go to lunch. <laughs> yeah. Take your friends with you. I don't know what they I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm kind of serious. You know how the folks be flipping out? See? <laughs> Your gift will make room for you. God could have put a thief or a murderer in the cell with Joseph. Instead, he arranged for a baker and a cupbearer. Joseph had a gift. For that gift to take him where God wanted him to go, Joseph had to connect with someone else's gift. 
That someone was Pharaoh's cupbearer. Joseph is remembered for his dreams and his ability to interpret the dreams for others, but his gift concerning dreams would have gone no further than his own amusement had he not connected with the cupbearer's gift. See, through the cupbearer's gift, Joseph was connected to the people of influence. Time spent with the cupbearer opened up doors of opportunity for Joseph. Those doors took Joseph to great success. The cupbearer was as much a part of what God did through Joseph as Joseph himself. No one extols the virtues of the cupbearer, but we could make a very good point by telling this story from his perspective. But as I said, the cupbearer's name is not mentioned in Genesis' account. Still, the story would not have worked out the way it did had, it, had he not used his gift and allowed that gift to take him to his destiny. Having done that, he didn't get his name on the wall. He didn't get a trophy. But because he brought Joseph to the king to interpret the dream, I'm sure he received much favor from Pharaoh. You feel me? Can you understand? I need you to be able to do your gift so my gift can work. I, you need my gift to work so your gift can work. Iron sharpens iron. That's why the devil was attacking worship because one can set a thousand flight and two can set ten thousand. And when I'm in the midst of worshiping with other gifts, oh my God, the anointing is unleashed even more. That's why I'd be more tired. The anointing can move a little more freely because I can feed off you. Now, some of y'all pulling on me, but it's more people that I can feed off of, and your gift feeds me, and my gift feeds you. You got to learn how to fellowship and cross-pollinate. Can I talk to the introvert? Because I'm introverted, but I do a lot of extroverted things. Can I tell you something? Until you learn how to connect with other people that's connected to your destiny, you won't go as far. One can set a thousand, two can set ten thousand. You got to learn how to cross-pollinate and build relationships so God can elevate you. What I'm saying in essence is that God orchestrates people in a variety of circumstances to get you to the place where your gifts can accelerate. What makes you a very valuable and powerful weapon in his arsenal. It also makes you a really big target for the enemy. Regardless of whether you're the king or the king's cupbearer, the devil coming for you when you start acting and doing what it is God called you for the kingdom. The good news is nobody can stop you but you. Let me go ahead and tell you the story because I know a lot of you all don't know the story. Got a lot of new faces. People probably, you know, I, I just need you to know I didn't go over the story. But in, 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 in chapter 41, it, we begin to, to see how Joseph begins to learn how to interpret dreams. See, Pharaoh uh, had a dream about these five fat cows uh, uh, for, for, for in his first dream and these five uh, nice vegetables. Uh, uh, he had all, he had, anyway, he had some fat cows and they looked good and he had some vegetables that looked good and he had, it was seven of them. Seven of each, seven cows, seven vegetables. And then they were real good and then he had another dream and the skinny cows were born, seven of them, and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows, but they still stayed skinny. That's a great diet. And the seven good vegetables, bad vegetables ate the good vegetables. And they stayed looking the same. And he could not figure out what was going on. So they went and they called. Then all of a sudden, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. Hey, about two years ago, when I got put in jail, uh, this boy, he interpreted a dream. He told me that in three days, I was going to be restored. And here I am. He told the baker, in three days, his head was going to get cut off. And, and, and that's how I ended up here. 
And so they called Joseph then to interpret the dream. So Joseph told him, you know what? The seven good cows, big cows, and, and seven nice-looking vegetables are seven years of prosperity in Egypt. And God is going to give you seven great years of prosperity, and everything is going to grow, but then it's going to be seven years of famine. And so what you need to do is save up some of the stuff in the seven good years so you can have food for the seven bad years. And so then Pharaoh said, my goodness, what an anointing you have. And he called him and made him second in command. Has anybody ever been on death row and go from death row, come on somebody, to elevated by God? Uh, Joseph did. Can I tell you something right now? I know it's hard to believe that somebody can go from jail to the big house. But that's the favor of God. Some of you all just stuck in a cubicle. This man was stuck in jail. So stop thinking that God can't find you in the midst of your nothingness. See, can I tell you a secret right now? The devil wanted Joseph in jail because he was a formidable weapon, but God wanted him in jail too. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. The devil wanted him in jail because he was a threat to the devil's kingdom, but God wanted him in jail because he was a threat to God's kingdom. I mean to the devil's kingdom. Why? Because y'all don't hear what I'm saying. What the devil means for evil, God means for good. And when you go through challenges and when you go through tribulations and when you go through setbacks, that's what makes your character. You don't learn anything in good times, even on good times. How many good times did the people on good times really have? Only time they had a good time was on the last episode they went out. Everybody moved in the same apartment. Uh, same two condos next door and it ended. Why? Because you don't learn anything in good times. Now I enjoy my good times but in my times of trials and tribulations I get a notebook out because I know God is trying to teach me something to take me to another level. See the thing about it is he went into jail only knowing how to dream dreams. When he came out of jail he could interpret dreams. Sometimes God puts you somewhere where you can't extract yourself. He puts you somewhere so you can start doubting yourself, so he can pull out that pride, so he can pull out that lying, so he can pull out that attitude, so he can pull out that arrogance. So when he begins to cause you to doubt yourself, it is not to hurt you or to, 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 to break you, it's to prune you. Oh, yeah, y'all don't hear me. We be thinking everything's supposed to be, everything's supposed to be good and connect this dot to that dot. But there's other dynamics involved because you're dealing with people. Some people are going to do what they're supposed to do, some people not. The enemy is going to come at you. It's going to be a, a, a dramatic story. But sometimes God allows dramatic stories in our lives so we can have more witnesses to see what he's going to do in your life. See, see, Joseph's armed. Joseph, armed with a gift, blessed with favor, connected to his station, would be a powerful warrior in his hands of God. That's why he did it. So the enemy couldn't let that happen. The enemy like, hold on. If Joseph can learn how to interpret these dreams, I got to throw this joke in jail. That's why I'm going to say, I'm going to let part of his wife say she, she, he tried to rape her. Uh-huh. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I can't let this happen. And the funny thing about it is, what the good thing about it is, it, Brother Jarvis, it don't matter that he don't let it happen, it's going to happen anyway. Y'all don't hear me. Come, come on, somebody. It, it's, it's, it, I, I don't, whew. It, it's, God is like, 
Uh, God does the devil like sometimes Tom Brady do in two-minute warning. You know what I'm saying? If you're down by five, if they're down by five and he got the ball, you the other team, you worried. Because you know inevitably he probably going to get you to the end zone. God sometimes allows the devil to stack everything up against you just to get an audience around you to let the devil think he's about to upstage you, but God is going to navigate you through. Why? Because you're more than an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You annihilate stuff. You're more than an overcomer. You fly over it. God does exceedingly abundantly above whatever you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at here. The enemy can't stop it. All those twists and turns. They put him in the pit his own brothers threw in. Part of his wife had a false accusation. He went to prison where obstacles thrown, where obstacles thrown up by Satan to prevent his success? Yes. God took every one of those obstacles and used them to reveal, clarify, hone, and perfect the gift in Joseph. What others thought would destroy Joseph, God used to make him the man he wanted him to be all the time. The mess you're going through right now. Have you ever been around a stinking farm? Mm-mm-mm. But the grass green, ain't it? Because all that manure, if you look in your life and look at all the manure around you, I can guarantee you if you kept walking through, it's greener than it was before the manure came. Sometimes you just got to thank God for your haters because they just manure fertilizing the soil under you. You show me an anointed man or woman of God. I'll show you somebody that been through hell and back. You show me an anointed person of God and I'll show you somebody who done been through trials and tribulation. The anointing is not free. I don't care how old or young you are. If you got an anointing, you've been pressed. The problem with the church is we keep singing these songs, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. The Bible says the anointing flows up out of you like rivers of living water. And you know how it, why it flows out? It flows out through the crushing of you. It, crawl, it flows out through the bruising of you. The anointing comes out of you because it's squeezed out. How do you get oil? You squeeze the olive. How do you get wine? You squeeze the grape. How do you get a diamond? You squeeze the coal. Some of us are testing the trials we're going through, but that's what's making us a diamond. That's what's putting the oil in our life. That's why we're coming up as new wine. Take the pressing and just know you're going to make it through. Can I tell you, have, have you ever watched some movies, James Bond, them James Bond movies, and they catch James Bond, and they catch him, and they don't never kill him. They've been trying to kill him the whole time. They tie him up, he knocked out, he wake up. They throw water on him, he all tied up. They leave him on some machine that take 30 minutes to cut him up, but then he get out at the last minute. Or somebody come save him. He walk into a building full as this, by himself, no gun. Everybody want to kill him. They just let him go in and play cards and leave. <laughs> you playing cards with me? <laughs> this is really dangerous. <laughs> It's 
Delfina Royale. You know what I'm <laughs> they go and they, they don't kill him. That's how your life is. The devil been trying to kill you all the time. But because God is a producer, because he's the author and finisher of your faith, in your movie, he let the enemy catch you sometimes to bring some drama in your life, to get you better in line with him and to let your enemies think you're going to die. But then he keeps on writing. And see, this is what you got to understand. If the devil is touching you, it's because God allowed him to touch you there. He can't touch you anywhere without God's permission. Oh, y'all don't hear me. See, 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 remember when he wanted to tempt Job and he said, you got a hedge around him. And God said, go ahead. You can take all Job's stuff, but don't touch his body. Why? Because he knew Job wasn't ready for that. And then after he touched his possession and touched, then he let him touch his family. Then he said, now you can touch his body, but don't kill him. God allows the devil to touch you when he knows you're ready to be touched. So your clue is this. If you're being touched right there, God already knows you're going to win. And the harder and the more he lets the devil touch you, the greater the anointing. Y'all don't hear me. Joseph went to slavery and came up the number two in charge only below Pharaoh. Joseph went to jail and came back again number two only to Pharaoh. Only to Pharaoh. Because God does what God wants to do. And he's the author and finisher of your faith. He allowed Joseph to be touched so immensely because he understood the greater he elevates you, the more humility you have to have. Because if you're not humble and God elevates you, your arrogance will destroy the position. And sometimes God prunes you and breaks you before he elevates you. You know, when we learn how to do fractions, if we take four, six, right? And we take four six, we got to reduce it down to, to, to two-thirds, right? Because you got to reduce it down to its least common denominator. If you, if you want to multiply two-fourths times three-sixths, you can reduce it both down to a half. Why? Because you got to reduce a fraction down to its least common denominator. And sometimes God has to reduce us down to our least common denominator. You know why he's doing it? So he can multiply you. He's doing it to multiply you. He's breaking you. To multiply you. The devil thinks that he's burying you, but he's using the devil to plant you. The deeper the seed is in the ground, the bigger the tree becomes because the deeper the roots can run. You show me a tree on shallow ground and you show me a tree on deep ground. I bet you the tree on deep ground is bigger than the one on shallow ground. Your trials and tribulations a God getting you ready to be blessed. He's getting the soil around you. He's planting you deep down in the midst of it to make sure that when you grow, your roots are rooted. So when the wind comes, anyway, let me hurry up. If you're stuck someplace that looks like one of those career-ending holes, take heart. God is not limited by the limitations that people create for one another. 
Stop letting people compare you to them and make you think that you can't do it because they can't do it. That's another reason you have to stop sharing your dream early with people because you first got to realize who got more faith and who got little faith. I can't share my big vision with little faith folk. When I say my business, I think somebody got big faith and it's big and it's like, oh, you can't do all that. I'm like, oh, man, hold it, man. You remember what happened on Sunday? I changed the subject. Why? Because I don't want you to bring nothing to my ear gate contrary to what God has told me that I'm supposed to walk in. If you don't believe how big the vision is God has for me, I can't talk to you. I want to talk to multipliers, not subtractors and dividers. I don't even want to hang around the disinfo. If you ain't an ex, come on, somebody. If you ain't a multiplier, I don't want to be around you. I don't want addition. I want a good measure blessing. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. And I can't have it around small-minded folk. But anyway, God don't limit it. Regardless of what you face right now, you are still a mighty weapon in God's hands. Brokenness is not a bad thing in the kingdom of God. Brokenness means your personality is no longer an obstacle to God's complete use of you. Because sometimes you get in the way with your smart self. Huh? With your you-know-everything self. Huh? With you-you-got-it-all-together self. With you all that, the lunch, the cooking, and the apple, and the juice self. And sometimes we, God has to get us to the point where we understand that we ran into a wall that we can't go through. God allowed Joseph to get to a place where he couldn't do anything because, first of all, Joseph talked too much. First of all, Joseph was a snitch. Get out of everybody's the business. You know why his brother didn't like it? He would tell him when they didn't do their they chores, he'd go snitch. Hey, man, they ain't even do it, Dad. They ain't do none of their chores. Hey, Dad, they ain't do nothing. That one ain't like it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. People get tired of that. Shut up. Everybody don't need to know what God's doing for you until you get there. I told y'all this story about how we got in the building a million times. I ain't tell you at the other church. Let me tell you what I did. I went to go get trusty shot. Man, would have been still over there. <laughs> See, your weakness is your greatest strength because your weakness opens you up to the grace of God. Let me say, my grace is sufficient. Through that grace, his power can be made evident in your life. That power is the warrior's power you need for battles ahead. Before Joseph went to prison, he thought his gift was receiving dreams. It took him it took prison for him to find out that his gift was even bigger. His real gift was interpreting dreams. He didn't know what his real gift was until he got stuck somewhere, like I said, that he couldn't extract himself. See, in, in comedy, what they do is, you, if you ever go to a comedy club, especially when you're doing a little set, they, they, it's a brick wall behind you. It's to let you know ain't no running. You better tell your jokes out of this. That's why the wall back there, to let you know you can't run. Ain't nothing back there. Ain't no curtain. If you're going to leave the stage, you got to go all the way that way, all the way that way. They don't put no way for you to escape. Like some people might want to, no, you ain't stepping back out of nowhere. It's a wall to let you know if you ain't funny, ain't nowhere to go. 
And sometimes God allows you to get in a place where you can't go unless your anointing comes out. That's David Banner. Don't make me angry. <laughs> That's an incredible hope, right? It's David Banner. Right. God has a gift in you that sometimes won't come out of you until you're in a place of danger. Ah, let me get out of here. Satan, see, both Satan and God wanted him in jail. <laughs> Can I tell you something? What, what if Joseph would have been salty? I'll put it like this. Maybe he was salty because Joseph did some shady stuff to his brothers. So he, yeah, we ain't going to get into all that. But the cupbearer forgot Joseph for two years. Joseph said, hey, man, remember me when you get out? You know, you know, get, the, get your boy pardon or something, you know, get me off death row. I don't want to be here for life, you know. I need to get out. Don't leave me here like Eddie and uh, what's his name? <laughs> and Martin, don't leave me in jail that long. I'm ready to go. For two whole years, he forgot about Joseph. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh had a problem, and he remembered. What a joke, like, man, he didn't remember. He would have left him in jail. But you know why it took that long? And some of you need to be patient. Because if the cupbearer would have remembered Joseph in the beginning, would he have made a dramatic entrance like that? Because Pharaoh didn't have a dream two years ago. Pharaoh had a dream that day. And the amazing thing is, he didn't remember Joseph's name, but he remembered Joseph's gift. Ah, some of you all, people don't remember your name, but they remember your gift. They remember your anointing. They might not remember your name, but it doesn't matter. Stop getting offended when people don't remember your name. They will remember your gift if you operate in it. Eventually, your name will become great because you'll do your gift enough and people know who you are, but they're going to know your gift first. Hey, it's a man. I don't know his name, but he was in jail with me. He told, he told my dream I'm here. He told the beggar dream. He dead like he said. God is like air traffic control. He causes you to land and take off at the right moment to make sure you avoid a crash, to make sure you can land safely without running into anybody else, to make sure you take off at the optimum time so you can get to where you're going at the right time. Come on, somebody. He delays you if he sees a storm ahead that you might not be able to handle or handle the turbulence. He begins to move your enemy over here, move your ally over there. He orchestrates the entire chessboard to make sure he can order your steps in his word, and then he plugs you where you're supposed to be. If he would have remembered Joseph two years ago, he never would have been elevated that quickly. First day on the job, from the bottom to the top. Started at the bottom, now we're here that way. See, this morning, I'm believing God is going to unveil to you what your real gift is. What you were created to do. Ah, understand that in order to cause your path to cross with your connection to the place God has ordained for you, you may have to endure some things that Joseph endured. Your gift makes you a 
weapon for God, but you are his weapon. He knows best how to get you where you're supposed to go. He knows where he wants to apply your gifts. He knows where he wants to put the power when he wants to put you where it is you're supposed to be. He knows the timing. If Joseph would have had an attitude with the cupbearer, he still would have missed his blessing. Some of y'all, people calling y'all on an interview, and you mad, man, I called you a whole month ago. Shut up. They called you. Because sometimes they'll let you walk in an interview and say, man, that girl got attitude. Yeah, I forgot, but I called her. I'm telling you, some of y'all done lost some jobs because you just can't shut up. Vent to somebody else. Don't vent to the people that's part of the situation. My goodness. Yeah, some of y'all, somebody feel bad right now. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who it is, but shut up. <laughs> See, your gift is not for your benefit alone. It's a kingdom gift. It's given to you by the king of kings to benefit his kingdom. He gets the final word on where and how that gift is employed. Look at this, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In order for you to be fully operational in your gift, a weapon that, that he can use, God has to sharpen you. He has to put an edge on you. To do that, God will move you into relationship with people who can refine and hone that gift. Those relationships may not be easy and friendly ones. Ask Reverend Walden. I ain't nice. I ain't got time to entertain you. If you keep making the same mistake every time, I'm going to get upset. I use a teach special ed. I don't want to teach it no more. Keep it 100. Stop worrying about people being nice to you all the time. I, I don't want to sit there and get a run and start, oh, let me figure this out. Oh, how can I say it the right way? Oh, Lord, no. I just need to tell you, hey, man, you need to get this right the next time. I ain't got time to buffet everything. I'm too daggone busy. Some of you all have messed up on mentorship relationship because you're too daggone soft. If Joseph would have been soft, he never would have made it to the second command. Any command. Crying about every time somebody corrects you or tell you what's wrong. I hate that. I got to say, oh, how do I write this letter? Oh, this person going to get upset. Oh, I can't play this video. I ain't got time for that no more. If you can't handle stuff and you always misinterpreting what I say, leave. That's how you got to be. Joseph would have been sensitive like some of us, he would have missed his blessing. Because you know how some of us would have did. Let me go ahead and tell the story of one of us. Man, oh, now he want to call me. I've been down here two years. And, he gonna me, and, and be talking to everybody, fucking everybody, then he get to the cup and we're leaving down there then. <laughs> Why he ain't called me a long time ago? Two years, man, you got out two years ago and you forgot. Mess up your blessing. You're being brought before the king. Be quiet, let it ride, forgive so you can walk in your power. How many blessings have you missed because you're not forgiving who did you wrong? Let it go. Forgiveness is not for that person anyway, it's for you. Because God said if you don't forgive those who trespass against you, I ain't going to forgive you either. Let me get out of here. Every warrior all of us come to a place where we don't feel valued. We don't feel like we're doing it right. 
we don't feel, we get to our lowest point and our self-esteem is low, it's because God has us in boot camp extracting all of the things of our personality that's in our way. God, I told you that three times. I only said it one time at 8 o'clock, so somebody better get this. God is pulling out of you the chafe and the, and the things that deter you from your destiny. Sometimes God allows you to get to a closely depressing place so he can pull some stuff out of you that needs to go. Wow. With you, he can break down strongholds. That's why he wants to equip you. With you, he can conquer lands and liberate the oppressed. But you have to let him teach you how to be a warrior. All God needs to accomplish his will, all he needs to obtain victory is you. You are his battle axe. You are the registered weapon with God. In you resides the power, the, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that created the universe, the power that parted the Red Sea, the power that resurrected the glorified Jesus. That same power resides in you. The power is the power of the Holy Spirit. Through you, God will shift kingdoms and bless third world nations. God has chosen you to destroy demonic kingdoms. Don't yield to the attacks of Satan. Don't yield to your haters or naysayers. Had Joseph yielded to the attacks of the enemy, ignored God, and allowed himself to become bitter and resentful over the events that transpired earlier in his life, he would never have reached that meeting with Pharaoh. He would never have been in position to interpret Pharaoh's dream. You got to be in position. And some of y'all at my office and some of y'all here, you have to be repositioned because some people are out of position and not as fruitful as they should be. If you take Tom Brady and make him a receiver, I bet you won't call his name again. If you take Emmitt Smith and make him a quarterback, they're going to take him out of the Hall of Fame. Why? Because you have to be in position. That's why you have to know what your spiritual gift is. That's why I'm going to show you in the next months or two uh, when we get with Reverend Walter, we need to make sure I start teaching you your gifts. I know you have it in, in the first in the membership class, like I said earlier, but you need to understand who and why you were made. When you understand your purpose, you'll be fruitful. Some of you all are majoring in stuff you shouldn't even major in because it's not your gift, but you're chasing money. If you chase your anointing and your gifts, he'll give you a good measure of blessing, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Can I tell you, Seeker, I don't even like talking to people. People see me in the streets and wonder why I don't talk. They be like, you mean, no, if you talk to me, I'll talk back. But I'm an introvert. It's just God has me doing introverted, extroverted things. I don't like talking to people. When I talk to people a whole day, I got to go to sleep. I be tired. Y'all take my energy. But God puts me here for whatever reason. My greatest weakness, I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I mean, I like people, but I don't like having conversations. People get mad at me. You don't ever say nothing, but you always talk to the pulpit because I got to. I'm the only one there. <laughs> but God isn't interested in transforming you, your family, or your neighborhood only. He's interested in transforming the world. You are the warrior in that cause. In his hands, you can be the weapon he uses to bring to pass his vision for humanity. In his hands, you can be the instrument that leads us all to victory and destiny God has ordained. God wants to use you. 
Can I tell you this? Now, just say this to yourself. Say it out loud. Because the, the, the title is, You Are a, a, a Gifted Weapon of God. Say this. I am a gifted weapon of God. All right. I am a gifted weapon of God. Now, I could have said lethal weapon. I could have said strong weapon. But I say gifted weapon because it's your gift that makes you powerful. It's the gift that he has in you that makes you powerful. But stop trying to compare your gifts to everybody else's gifts. Use the gifts God has given you and hone in on your purpose. You know what I'm going to do? I need to get with you because I need to send out the email for them spiritual gifts so they can take it again. I know we've done it before, but this time we're going to do it. Y'all going to hold them. You're going to bring them. And y'all going to bring them in one day and we're going to talk about these gifts because I need you in your place. Because when you position where you're supposed to be, it makes everything else easier. What if your knee was on your neck? Be messed up, huh? Huh? What if your head was on your kneecap? Messed up, right? What if your eye was on your fingers? It would be out of order, right? What if you had two right hands? Your body would not function. But yet, that's how the kingdom of God is. You got prophets trying to be pastors. Huh? You got ushers trying to do security. Huh? You got all these different people out of position. If, you, if we can get you in position in the church, then we can definitely get you in position in the world. Because the Bible says, if those who are called by my name will humble themselves. He didn't say the word, he didn't say the United States of America, he said if my people, Christians who are called by my name, humble themselves, I'll hear their land. But you got to be planted in different places, operating in your gifts. You are the salt of the world, and you all are going to make a big difference. God has need of you. I feel like he's telling me how when he said go get the coat because God has need of him, God has need of you. He's about to hone in on your gifts. You're about to figure out exactly what it is you're called to do. And God is going to sharpen you and make you powerful just like Joseph. Joseph said Egypt and Canaan and the lands around because when he saw what was happening with the famine and told Pharaoh, they made preparations. Not only were the Egyptians saved, but the people from Canaan came there as well. And other people from surrounding villages and towns, I'm sure, came because of the giftedness of Joseph. How many people are not being saved because you're not in position? You are a weapon for God. You are a tool for God. And he wants to use you mightily. 